The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. So today we are in part three of Keep On Calling. We are in a series of, well, prayer series, if you will, a series where we are being challenged not to give up, to keep pressing into God, to keep trusting God, to keep praying. And if there's a Bible character that you would think about when the issue of um, someone not giving up, calling on Jesus and not giving up, who will that Bible character be? Anybody? Who would, that, who would that Bible character be? Someone calling on Jesus, even when they tell him to shut up, I'm giving you clues now. <laughs> Blind Bartimaeus. That is correct. Blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, son of Thibius, actually. But we still call him Blind Bartimaeus. After he's found his sight, he's in heaven with eyes. We still call him Blind Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And we read from verse 46. It says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder. <laughs> Don't you just love this guy? They, they didn't just tell him to be quiet. They didn't just shout at him to be quiet. The scripture says they yelled at him to be quiet. Many people just only him, and he increased his volume. You have to increase your volume. Praise the name of the Lord. When the voice of doubt tells you to keep quiet, even when the pain you feel in your body tells you to keep quiet, you have to increase your volume. Praise the name of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, increase your volume. So he shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. The same people that were yelling at him, cheer up, mm, he's calling you. They said, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, came to Jesus. Verse 51, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked, my rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and followed Jesus down the road. When you look at verse 47, Verse 47 says that when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When he heard that Jesus was nearby, proximity is key. Proximity, you can't just start shouting or start praying until you know Jesus is near. Praise the name of the Lord. You, you don't just start calling until you, you know his name. Proximity is everything. That's why when it's time to pray, we don't just begin to pray. The Bible says we should come into his presence with thanksgiving. We approach God when we worship and we praise. He inhabits the praises of his people. He comes near to us. Then we can call. Praise the name of the Lord. So Bartimaeus 
sensed or heard, he was thereby and called. If you go to verse 49, it says, Jesus heard him and stopped. When you hear that God is near, you need to call until he hears you. And it will stop. And this is so big because sometimes we go through a season, you come into fellowship, you go into your life group meetings where two or three are gathered. Jesus says, I am there with them. God is there. You don't call. You live the same way you came. God wants you to call. You need to call until he hears. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. And that is big because Jesus, busy Jesus, purposeful Jesus, always on mission Jesus, stopped. Jesus was going somewhere, but he stopped. We have to learn to stop. We have to learn sometimes to pause. Sometimes you have a plan. God is leading you in another direction. God has brought somebody into your life. God expects you to stop. But sometimes we are so focused that we don't want to stop. And you know, I, God is really working, I'm dealing with me in that area. You know, sometimes you are so laser focused, you don't even want to stop. If you ask my wife, I, one thing I don't like ever is when, if you want me to get you something when I'm going out, tell me before I go out. So I will plan it and get it out of my way. When I'm on my way, but my wife's just a specialist of waiting, you've left the office, oh, can you stop and get me milk? No, I'm not going to stop. I said to myself, but for me, can you afford not to stop? <laughs> because you had another plan when you get home. Do you understand what I'm saying? But because of that plan, you will stop. Even though you know what, but but as a person, once I set out on a mission, I usually don't want to stop. I don't want to turn to the right or to the left. I don't even want to buy petrol. That's how bad it can be sometimes. And many of us, we are, we are like that. We are we are alpha alpha people. We we just zero in on on targets and all that stuff. But God wants us to learn. To stop when it's needed. We are like eagles. One of the strengths of, of the eagle is that once it lashes on its talons on, on the prey, it doesn't let go. The eagle takes off. Whether it's a fish or a rabbit or a lamb, the eagle will not let go, no matter how much the prey struggles. While it's a strength, it has also caused the death of many eagles because sometimes the eagle carries more than it can carry. Then he gets up and he says that, ah, this thing is not allowing me to fly. Maybe you will let it go, right? The eagle will not let it go. The eagle holds on to it and drowns with it. Many eagles have been found drowning with their praise. Why do you have to go down with it? Does it make sense? So just stop and let it go. Say to your neighbor, let it go, let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. If you come back to verse 47, you know, it says, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. He began to shout. When they yelled at him and they said, you should keep quiet. Next. What did he do? He only shouted louder. Like we said earlier, don't stop calling. Sometimes when you begin to call, it's like a, a, an uphill task. It's like you're climbing a mountain. When you begin to call, sometimes it's, it's, it's discouraging. Your, your, the forces are against you. Your, the gravity is pulling you. You don't want to pray anymore. You're discouraged. You look at the bank account. You look at the bills, you look at the school fees, you look at this and that, and you want to stop. Be like Bartimaeus. When you are praying and the enemy is telling you to shut up by showing you 
what God has not answered, what should you do? Jesus! Thou son of David, have mercy. Have mercy on me. Why? Because God wants us to be a people of faith. In fact, without faith, you really can't get much with God. But with faith, you get all you need. One of my life verses in the Bible, I have some scriptures that I call my life scriptures. Scriptures that have shaped my life and, you know, and are still shaping my life. You know a few of them, I'm sure, by now. One of them is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If a man is in, is in Christ, is in you, okay, you can quote it. Another one that we're going to um, launch from today is Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6 says that, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is, he exists. And not only does he exist, he is a rewarder. He rewards those who diligently, earnestly seek him. God rewards those who earnestly seek him. God is a rewarder. You don't seek God and come out short. It does not happen. The question is, will you follow through? That's usually the, the, the issue. Will you do the right thing for long enough? So today we're going to see the, the three rewards. Of course, there will be more. But we're looking at three rewards. He said because he rewards them that diligently seek him. So we're going to look at three rewards of relentless calling. Three rewards of relentless calling. We have said don't stop calling. Three rewards of relentless calling. Number one, the first reward of relentless calling that we see in this passage of scripture, Mark 10, is this. You will know his heart. He reveals his heart. You know his heart. When you call God and you stay there, you discover his heart. And in his heart, there are two things in his heart. His heart is his, is his character. His key. And his covenant. His character, his essence, who he is, his covenant, how he deals, how he relates. And one thing this man did is that with that statement, he struck the heart of Jesus. He struck the two things. He called on both the covenant and the character of God. Verse 47. He called on both the covenant and the character of God. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When he said, son of David, that was the covenant designation of Jesus as the Messiah. God had established a covenant that through the lineage of David, the Messiah will come. And this is what will happen. It is God's covenant with his people. So when he, remember, they, he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing. They didn't tell him it was Jesus, the son of David, that was passing. They told him it was Jesus of Nazareth that was passing. When he called, he was deliberate. He didn't say Jesus of Nazareth. That would have been proper. That would have been appropriate. He said Jesus, son of David. What was the significance of that? The covenant of God with his people was being invoked. You are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. And there's a big difference. Son of David. There's a big difference between a promise and a covenant. Huge difference. Someone can make a promise to you. But a covenant must be with two people. When it comes to God, the promise is different from the covenant. Many times, you know, Christians, we don't even know, the, we just use the two together. 
They are different. And you must know the difference for you to be all that God has called you to be. The promises of God, for instance, are conditional. The promises of God are conditional. And they are conditional from generation to generation to generation. In other words, God expects if you do this, you get this. That's how God is. It's not an Old Testament thing. Go and ask Abel. He will tell you. Abel existed before the law. Cain and Abel. Adam and Eve. They existed before the law. God said, okay, this is my promise. This is the garden. Don't, don't chop this one. No. If you chop this one, this will happen. It is conditional. So, the promises of God can be broken. God can change his mind on his promise. He does. God can promise something and come and say, okay, uh, I'm not doing that thing again. Really, nobody can arrest him. I can give you instances in the Bible, a lot of instances in the Bible. God said to Saul, you, be, you have a son on the throne. He promised Saul. Saul misbehaved. What did God say? I repent myself of this promise. I'm not going to do it again. Praise the name of the Lord. God said to Samson, Nazarene to, to me to the day of your death. He didn't say grind corn with his eyes, eyes plucked out. God can change his mind. God said to Eli, Ah, and I wanted to make you a priest and your children after you, but I changed my mind. God can change his mind on a promise. But the covenant is different. And this is where we need to understand it. With the covenant, God cannot change his mind. Okay, it's okay. <clears throat> we are going to get it soon. I know some of us are, okay, fine, can't change his mind. So, um, can you explain further? That's why I'm here. God doesn't change his mind. God can't even change his mind. Particularly after the, the partner that he has ratified the covenant with is dead. He cannot change his mind again. God's covenant, if, if you read the book of Hebrews, Jesus, the Bible says, while the testator was alive, the testament was not in force. While Jesus was alive, it was when Jesus died and he uses, used his blood to seal the covenant, then the covenant of Christ, the new covenant was in force. Guess what? That covenant is irrevocable. Totally irrevocable. Jesus must wake up from the grave and break that covenant with God. And it can't happen again. The covenant God had with Abraham, the same thing. You know, that is why when we teach believers, we come from the, from the angle of understanding of the covenant. You need to know you have a covenant with God. And you need to know how to operate the covenant. Otherwise, you think it's about coming to church. It's not, it's not just about coming to church. In fact, when you come to church, you need to understand the covenant. Abraham had a covenant with God. And it is that same covenant that Jesus came to plug us into. Do you remember that teaching? Hopefully, yes, you do. So, when you understand that the covenant cannot be broken, God had a covenant with David. And God said to David, if your son, Solomon, sins, I will deal with him as a father deals with a son, but my covenant with him, with you, will abide. Solomon cannot break David's covenant with God. It's impossible. When God made a covenant with Noah and said, I will not destroy the earth again and gave a rainbow as a sign of that covenant. Now, let me ask you a question. The scene that they used to see in the day of Noah and the one we are doing in our time, which one is more? 
It's even close. We, we have put our hands in things that those guys were afraid to even think about. But has God destroyed the earth? Why? Is it because of our righteousness? It's purely because the covenant stays. It should be impossible for anything your great-grandfather has done, any cult they've been into, any repercussion of that, it should be impossible for it to happen in your life. Praise the name of the Lord. There should be no generational curse. Should be. No generational curse that should be able to thrive in your generation. Why? Because the blood of Jesus is superior to any covenant that can ever exist. And, and it's, it's the truth. Because that is why the, the believer, our work with God is not... We didn't choose him. He chose us. It's a work of covenant. So when you operate the covenant of God, listen, listen. Some believers will do things and they will get away with it. You know why they will get away with it? Not because they are righteous, but because every time the accuser brings up an accusation before the throne of God, the blood speaks for us. The blood speaks for us. It speaks Passover. So, before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. The great the high priest, priest whose name is love, for me. My name is written on his heart. My name is graven on his I know that while in heaven is sins, no tongue can beat me this depart. How? How can they say you should depart? This is your father's house. Listen, listen, listen. Your, for those of you that are parents, your children can never know how much you love them. They can know you love them. They can, they can never. They can only begin to understand when they become parents by themselves. You can never understand how much God loves you. You can't. And he packed everything and packaged it and sealed it in the covenant in a way that it cannot be changed again. Hallelujah. <laughs> So, God wants us to understand that. And that is what the blind Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, understood. That was what he invoked. Jesus, son of David. covenant the second part of the heart was character Jesus son of David do what have mercy on me you see the essence of God is mercy is grace the essence of God it's his mercy. It's his, in fact, the word is it's difficult to explain in English. You know? I was reading the um, Jewish Bible part. It, it says, that part says, Ben David Yehoshua Chaneini. That's my attempt at Hebrew. <laughs> Chaneini. Ben David. Ben, the son. You know? Ben Hogan, the son of Hogan, Mac McDonald's, Mac, son of Donald. You know that. So, son of David, Yehoshua, Jesus, right? Chaneini. Chaneini. 
the word chanini means to have mercy, to show mercy. And it has its root. It has its root. In, if you have been coming to tribe in that essence of God called what? Esed. If you have not been coming to tribe, you don't know what it is. Called Esed. I'm going to try and bring you up to speed. What does it mean? What does Esed mean? Esed is when the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing does what? Gives me everything. That's, that's God. That's God. So, in fact, they coined an English word, loving kindness. Loving kindness is not a word that exists in the dictionary, English dictionary, originally. In a bit to try and explain this essay, when David said, or Moses said to God, show me your glory. And God, they had that exchange. And God put him in a rock and went by. Remember what God said. When he passed by, the Lord, merciful and slow to anger, plenteous. You see, when somebody wants to introduce himself, he tells you the, he tells you what he wants you to know about himself. God wants you to know he's a said. He's a God from whom you have a right to expect nothing and he gives you everything. So when Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, shouted, Jesus, son of David, said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What he was saying is this. Jesus, from whom I should have a right to expect nothing, give me all I need. And because I have a right to expect something, give me all I need. Together. That's what he was saying. And 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 my and 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 if you look at it, covenant is based on right. While mercy is based on discretion. Covenant is based on right. While mercy is based on discretion. Blind Bartimaeus, God the two working for him. I pray in the name of Jesus that both will work for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. The rights that you have in his covenant and the discretion that exists in his person. In fact, the, the, the Yorubas call it this way. You know this song? Holy, holy, holy. Mima, 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 all on the mare. Nikutu, Kutu, Niwa, Yoba. Now, this is the part we're going. Mima, Mima, Mima. Oh, Niyonu, Jula. Oh, Yokometa, Layulukum. That Niyonu Jula just means. It's supposed to be the uh, most merciful. It's, it's like, I think the guy that translated that to him knows what said means. It's the one that melts his heart. You know, when somebody's heart melts towards you, then the one that melts his heart the most, that's what it means. Praise the name of God. So what is it that you have done that you are running from God? Come to God. Come, let's reason together, he says. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be as, as white as snow. What is it that you think you are an outcast? It can never. He says, come. I will show you that my mercy has no equal. Praise the name of the Lord. So the first thing we see when we are relentless in calling, is his heart. His heart is revealed. The next thing we experience and see is we hear his voice. You will hear 
his voice. In verse 51 of Mark 10, verse 51, he says, And Jesus answered and said unto him. Jesus answered and said, God will answer you in the name of Jesus. He will answer you. Psalm 29, verse 4, says the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. You will hear that powerful and majestic voice of the Lord in the mighty name of Jesus. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. And the beauty of hearing his voice is this. His voice carries his word. You can say, um, Pastor, well, what else will his voice carry? Let me explain. You know, some people, when they mix with the wrong people, you hear their voice, but you're hearing the words. Have you had friends and you have a group of people that don't like you and your friends hang out with the people that don't like you? After a while, your friends begin to sound like the people that don't like you. Has that put anybody? So, you're hearing your friend's voice, but you're hearing the words of... And sometimes, we, we, we have people that are not even good-meaning Christians, that are not on their guard, that the enemy borrows their voice. You hear their voice, but you are actually hearing the words of the enemy. You need to rebuke it. It happened to Jesus. His friend, one of his closest friends, Peter, said to him, Oh, you're not going to fulfill your destiny. That was what he was saying in a way. And Jesus heard the voice of Peter, but heard the words of Satan. And said, this is the voice of Peter, but Satan, get thee behind me. When you hear God's word, voice, God's voice is actually consistent with his word. You know what? You will not hear him say what is not consistent in his word. With his word. And since his word is powerful, pretty much that is all we need. When God wants to help or heal, he says his word. Verse Psalm 107. Psalm 107. He says they cried for help. Verse 20. And he sent his word and healed them. Then not only did he heal them, snatching them from the door of death. He healed them and snatched them from the void, from the door of death. God will heal you and deliver you from death in the mighty name of Jesus. When we get to verse 48 of Mark 10, and this is pretty interesting, you know. It says that um, many of the people yelled at him, saying, be quiet. Now, when Jesus called for him, and asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Remember what, or you can see what the guy said, my rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see now, what's the, what's the big deal about my rabbi? The way it is structured, it didn't say rabbi. It said my rabbi. That word my rabbi, that phrase, my rabbi, in the original is a single word raboni. Raboni is used by people in Jesus' um, inner circle. You know, you don't, you, you, you start from, from the outside. Jesus had the concentric circles, if you will. 
So the people on the outside says, is that not the son of the carpenter? Then, is that not Jesus, the son of Mary? Then, Rabbi, before you can get to my Rabbi, John 20, remember, when it was resurrection morning, and Mary found Jesus, Jesus found Mary, Jesus revealed himself to Mary, and, and Jesus said, Mary, and, and Mary said, Rabboni, you know, that word, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a word that is used by outsiders, and if you've done the journey, you understand this better, you know, we usually would use what we call the concentric circles in the journey. We say everyone in church, everyone in the work with God, you are somewhere in this circle. So, five concentric circles. One, two, three, four, and five. Now, that's the big world out there. So, you are either in the community <laughs> or you are in the crowd or you are in a congregation or you are in the committed or you are in the core everyone sitting here you are somewhere there where in Joseph where are you ask where are you where are you where are you yeah, 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 yeah. Are you in the community? Are you in the crowd? Are you in the congregation? Are you in the committed? Are you in the call? Where are you? So Jesus also had the five concentric circles. Jesus had his core. Who are his core? The twelve disciples are his core. In fact, you would know that if you look at the scriptures well, that even in the core there is a. Uh, the inner caucus. There's the core, there's the, uh, the people that know what some people don't know. So there's the core, but that one is not covered in, the, <laughs> in this circle. Then, then Jesus had the committed. Who are the committed? The 70. The 70. The people who he sent out to do this, to heal, to cast out demons. The 70. Then he had a congregation. Who are his congregation? 5,000 men. Then he had a crowd. What was the crowd? And the multitude followed him. You know, that's a crowd. Then obviously he had the community. Everybody, everybody in Judea, in uh, Jerusalem, in Samaria, everywhere he went. So, and when people are in this different segment, their lingua reveals where they are. Even concerning church, God's favorite house. Before, you used to say, that's church, didn't you? Or that's my friend's church. Then, you started by saying, the church I attend. I only go there once, a, once in two months, so, but the church I attend. Then, you graduate by saying, our church. Our church, ah, we just got this new land. Though. Ah, Oleku, you should see it. <laughs> you know, our church. <laughs> then, then it becomes my church, a church of my church. The lingua changes. When I hear people, I can place them. It's not uh, spiritual discernment. It's spiritual process actually revealed in, in the word of God and the same thing with how people relate with, with me as the pastor people, the community says oh, the pastor of that church, that pastor 
you know. As they come to the crowd, to the congregation, they say, oh, Pastor Femi, you know. Pastor Femi, as they come into the congregation committed, they say, Pastor. You see, when they say, Pastor, you can hear the affinity in their voice. You know, by the time they get to the committed, to the core, they say, my pastor. They, whatever, they say different things. But you, you, some say my pastor, some say what they have said. They say different things. But... <laughs> <laughs> but, but you see the truth is this your lingua gives you a way it gives you a way it gives you a way now when this blind man came and he was supposed to be here and Jesus called him he said Rabboni he used the lingua of the people here and here. How do you think Jesus would have felt? How do you think he would have felt? Rabboni. He didn't do it politically because even after he got his sight, the Bible says he followed Jesus. You know, the NLT says they follow him down, down the road. But the real trust, the, 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 this is the, you know, I, I have all sorts of Bibles, the Greek, Hebrew, dictionary. You know, you should see me preparing for service. This service is, is less than one hour. Someone, less than one hour. The summation maybe takes me at least 20 hours. No, I just say it's like you can clap. But if you can glorify God, <laughs> that's fine. I kid you not. Ask my wife. She will tell you the price of a 45-minute sermon, a one-hour sermon. Anyway, the root word is you follow Jesus in the way. That means he became a disciple. He didn't just want to be healed and go. He, he wants, you see, some of us, we are in church for several things. He, he, he didn't just want to be healed and, and oh, okay, and uh, that Jesus, uh, you know, he healed me. He wanted to follow him. He wanted to be his, his disciple. He wanted to know him. And that should be our attitude this morning. They be quiet, many people. Many of the people yelled at him. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now Jesus asked the man, and that is significant. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. So the man that the crowd was telling to shut up, the man that the people were stifling his voice. Jesus shut the people up and gave him a voice. So when you hear his voice, he gives you a voice. When you hear his voice, he gives you a voice. Jesus gives you dignity. He gives you a voice. And hearing his voice can make makes actually makes all the difference all the difference but it's not always easy sometimes i must confess elisha gave the word of the lord to naaman go and wash naaman was upset i should go and wash i i thought as a man of god he should shake himself he should come out and do some abracadabra And they said to him, Oga, if this man says he should do something great, you will have done it too. Should we have him? Let's go bath. At least we didn't bath when we left the house. Let's go. We're in a hurry to come on time. Let's go bath. So that if he did not wash as the word of the Lord said, he will have died a leper. Sometimes the instructions are not always convenient, but they are always always profitable. The results are always profitable. When God speaks, 
Just do it. You know, as a pastor, I think, God has told me to do some things that are not comfortable. Many of which you, you, you know, some actually, of which you know. We depend on God's voice in God's private house. We want to know his heart. We want to hear his voice. We want to know his direction. We just don't want to move. We want to move where he wants us to move. And sometimes when God says, do this, it can be uncomfortable. I remember one GWDI, God Religion Service, you know, and, uh, you know, I was praying. I was, you know, on my face. I was asking God, oh, I want him to do this for the people. I want him to do that. I want everybody. I can't remember the prayers I was praying, but, I mean, it was in line of that. God said to me, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. You, you're going to get a bell. It's a bell. It's a bell. It says, what am I going to do? You're going to ring the bell. Ah, I say, if I do that, people will think I'm crazy. <laughs> I kid you not. Do you remember that? So I came with bell. It was very embarrassing for me. I must confess. And I rang the bell like a fool. And the miracles were unbelievable. Um, totally. Totally. God can... If the challenge with our generation is that we are trying to marry the world with the, with the kingdom. It does not work. It doesn't work. There's this... Um, they said... Um, tight debate that is on everywhere in Nigeria. You know, and my friend called me and said, oh, Pastor Shola, remember him that came to here to minister? Called me and said, oh, Pastor Femi, I've been watching you on Twitter, on your Facebook, I check your blog. You are not going to respond to this thing. I said, why would I respond? Why should I respond? How can you respond? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The world will say, will he enter his mother's womb and come back? It doesn't make sense. A virgin conceived and gave birth. It's one of my friends, very intellectual, he says, Munei, don't tell me you believe that thing. I said, I actually do. He said, ah, bah, ah, you went to school now, how can a virgin conceive? There are some things that you can't to be explaining to the world just doesn't make sense. If you have been with us for a while, you will know that tithe has nothing to do with the old covenant. Do you know that? It preceded 400 years before the Old Testament. That is Old Covenant. Even though they were put together in a book called Old Testament. But the Old Covenant didn't come until Moses. Right? Let Lem, uh, Melchizedek, Abraham, pay tight to Melchizedek. Even if you back up Cain and Abel, what do you think was the issue? What do you think that word first fruit comes from? Adam and Eve, what do you think was the issue in the garden? God says you can eat everything, but not this one. What does that mean? When you begin to respond to Titan from Malachi, you, you don't even understand tithing. Praise the name of God. You know, maybe I should respond. <laughs> it's just foolishness. So, so I, said, I, said, I said to my friend that anyone, the person that is talking, maybe you will look at his life first. Anyone that wants to take Spiritual advice from in first service. I, when I when I in between service, I said, "Oh, I should have called him a demented person." You know? So, so second service, I say I won't call him demented. Anyone that wants to take spiritual advice for such a person, go ahead. Praise the Lord. But please, by all means, I, I will lose sleep for that. Why? But you must understand. Scriptures. You have to understand. He has someone that just come to Jesus today. The guy still doesn't know his left from his right. Why are you bombarding him with tithes? That's not his business. He needs to learn to walk with God first. 
When you walk with God, you will understand the covenant. You will know it's a response to the covenant. Listen, the reason why the enemy is so anti-Christians is because he's so afraid. Why is he afraid? Now, the enemy tells you, oh, your destiny is, is, going, is, is going down. Oh, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Why don't you wonder, why is he so worried about me? If my destiny is so bad, Kuku, leave it now. Praise the Lord. So, we, we, we need to, and when God moves, Sometimes, when God speaks, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Now, you are caught between, do I obey God? And that's the truth. That's the challenge of, of, of spiritual leadership. You are caught between, will I obey God or will I adjust to society? As you know, I'm not in a popularity contest. I'm not, I don't even want to be popular. Have you noticed? I'm not even interested. I just want the name of Jesus glorified. So, this pastor will do what God wants him to do. Regardless of whose ox is God. Doesn't matter. So, uh, uh, someone sent me a, um, a write-up on A.A. Allen. God still does miracles. God, at least A.A. Allen is some man of God. Years ago, I think he's in the 40s or something. What God told him to do even at his time, there was a lot of criticism on, on the church. But he did it. It's an audio. Let's, let's play the audio. Nothing is impossible with God. who had 26 major diseases to our meeting. I'll never forget this day as long as I live. The boy was born blind, deaf, and mute. Both arms were crippled and deformed. His elbows protruded up into his little tummy. His knees touched his elbows. Both legs were crippled and deformed. He had club feet. When he was born, his doctor said that the boy would never live to see his first birthday. But they were wrong. He was approaching four years of age. Of course, this condition was breaking his mama's heart. She came to our meetings all week, and I got concerned about the boy. In those crusades, we had each person with a need fill out a paper card, and as the Holy Spirit moved, we would pray for the needs God inspired us to pray for. And the Holy Spirit didn't seem to be moving us to pray for that little boy. The following Sunday, his mother came to me and said, but a Shambak, I'm down to my last $20. I paid the hotel bill, but we have been eating in the restaurant, coming to three services a day, and giving in every offering. All the money has run out. My baby has not been prayed for. She was very upset, and she was ready to give up and go back home. I said, ma'am, I can't apologize for the moving of the Holy Ghost. I know you have to leave tonight, but if you come to the service and once again the Holy Spirit leads in another direction and your son's prayer card is not drawn for the prayer, I will personally take your baby to the man of God's trailer house and see that he lays hands on your baby. You will not leave disappointed. I meant that from my heart. That night I came out and I led the singing in that evening service. Then I introduced Brother A.A. A. Allen and he came bouncing out on that platform and said, Tonight, we are going to receive an offering of faith. I had never heard him use that expression before. And I saw eyebrows lift all over the congregation. He went on, Now, if you don't know what I mean when I say an offering of faith, I mean for you to give God something you cannot afford to give. That's a good definition, isn't it? If you can afford it, there is no faith connected to it. So give him something you cannot afford to give. As soon as Brother Allen said that, I saw that boy's mother leap out into the aisle and come running. 
3,000 people were watching her in that Birmingham Fairgrounds arena as she threw something in that offering bucket. I never saw anybody in such a hurry to give, and I confess I was nosy. I came down off that platform to see what she had given. You know what I saw in that bucket? A $20 bill. I knew that was all she had. She had told me that. She had driven from Knoxville, Tennessee, to the meeting in Birmingham, Alabama. She didn't know how she was going to get home or what she was going to use to feed herself and her baby on the way. I went behind the platform and wept. I prayed, Lord, I have been trying to teach that woman faith all week, but now I'm asking you to give me faith like she's got. Brother Adam went on and collected the offering and launched into his sermon. But about 15 minutes into his message, he stopped and said, I'm being carried away in the spirit. I said to myself, here we go again on another trip. This is how God used him. He said he could see what the Holy Spirit wanted to communicate to him like he was watching it on a television screen. He would describe it as he saw it. That night he said, I'm being carried away to a huge white building. Oh, it's a hospital. Of course, I had this kind of thing every night that I walked with Brother Allen, so I was sitting there on mood. Then he said, I'm inside the hospital, and there's no doubt in my mind where I'm heading because I hear all these babies crying. It's a maternity word. I see five doctors around the table. A little baby has been born. The baby was born with 12, no, 16, no, 26 diseases. When he said that, I started getting chill bumps up and down my spine. I said, oh my God, tonight's that baby's night. Brother Allen continued, 26 diseases. The doctor said he would never live to see his first birthday, but that's not so. That boy is approaching four. Now I see the mother packing his suitcase. They are going on a trip. Another lady is with her. The baby is in the back seat of an old Ford. They are driving down the highway. I see the Alabama-Tennessee border. That automobile is driving in the parking lot. Lady, you are here tonight. Bring me that baby. God's going to give you 26 miracles. That woman came running again for the second time that night. She put the baby in the brother Allen's arms. I jumped up to stand beside him and everybody in the audience. 3,000 strong were all on their feet standing. But the Allen must have wanted to be sure that the audience was agreeing in faith for the miracle because he said, everybody close your eyes. But I thought, not me, mister. I'm going to be scriptural on this one. I'm going to watch and pray. I've been waiting for this all week. That little boy's tongue had been hanging out of his mouth all week. The first thing I saw when Alan prayed was a tongue snapped back in the mouth like a rubber band. For the first time in four years, the boy's tongue was in his mouth. I saw two little wild bulls in his eyes like a milky color. You couldn't tell whether he had blue or brown or what color of his eyes. But during the prayer, that wild bull ceased and I saw two brand new brown eyes. I knew God had opened his eyes, and if God opened the eyes and knew he had unstuck the deaf ears, then those little arms began to snap like pieces of wood, hmm. and for the first time, they stretched out. The legs cracked like wood popping. All of a sudden, I saw God form toes out of those club feet as easily as a child forms something with silly potty. The crowd was watching by this time, going wild. I've never seen any people shout, I rejoice so much in all my life. I saw that baby placed on his feet, and he began to run for the first time in his life. He had never seen his mama before, never said a word, but began running across the platform, and I was running right after him to catch him. He leaped into his mama's arms, and I heard him say his first word, Mama. The following Saturday, after his healing, I received a special delivery letter from his mother. She said, Brother Shamak, I took the baby to the hospital Monday morning, and the doctors didn't give him back. They kept him all week. They have called in every doctor from all over the country who has had anything to do with this case. 
They're pronounced by baby cured of 26 major diseases. Of course, we went on to get the copies of the affidavits from the doctor to certify that the boy's life was a genuine miracle. And as I continued, you remember that last Sunday when I told you all I had was $20? God knows that was the truth. But when that man of God said to give something you can't afford, I leaped into the aisle. The moment I hit that aisle, for the first time in my life, I heard the devil talk. The devil told me, you can't give that. That's not yours. Fifteen dollars of that goes to the doctor. Five dollars is for gas to get home. The faster I ran, the faster he talked. But as soon as I turned loose of that morning, he stopped talking. But the shamba, all you saw was those 26 miracles. But there's one you don't know anything about. After you were gone, people were staying there. They wanted to see the baby and see what God had done. People shook hands with me. When one lady shook my hands, I felt a folded piece of paper between my palms. I opened it up and saw it was a $20 bill. As I shook hands with the people who had lined up, every one of them had a folded paper in their hand. I went into the ladies room and counted two hundred and thirty-five dollars. The above excerpt was taken from R.W. Shambhak. Who says yours is impossible? What has the Holy Spirit told you to do? Just obey without any analysis and your life will never be the same again. Amen. Hallelujah. So you see, Everyone has to decide for himself. Am I going to just keep coming to church? Or am I going to follow God? Am I going to just wear a tag? An emblem? I'm a Christian. Or am I going to seek and follow this true and living God? No one can decide for you. You need to decide it for yourself. If I want to walk with God, or I just want to come to church, what will it be? What will it be? So the first benefit, reward, is his heart is revealed. The second is we hear his voice. And his third is we experience his power. We experience his power. Verse 52 of Mark 10. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has healed you instantly. I was instantly. The man could see and he followed Jesus. Your miracle will be instant, silent, and complete. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let's bow down our hearts as we bow down our heads. When we know his heart and hear his voice and experience his power, the natural response is to follow him. Like this man followed Jesus. Do you want to follow him today? I want to pray with you. You cannot say, if you look at your life, you cannot say you are following Jesus. Maybe you've even answered the altar call before, but you know you've backslidden. You cannot say you're following Jesus. I want to pray with you. You don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, pastor, pray with me. Oh, I've never given my life to Jesus. Any of those two categories. Put up your hand now over your head. I will pray together. God bless you. If I put up your hand, put up your hand. Well, shoot it up. Shoot it up. God bless you. Not on your head. God bless you, my sister. Over your head. God bless you. Keep the hands up. That's all I need from you. The structures are scrolling. If you are online, once you have the card, you can put out your hand. That's, that's okay. Pastor, pray with me. I want to begin a walk of following Jesus today. Shut up the hands. The rest of us, let's, let's talk to God. Let's talk to God. Oh, your heart revealed, my Father. Oh, your voice heard. Oh, your power manifested in my life. I pray. God bless you. Let's talk to God. Let's, let's talk to God. Oh, Father, we thank you. We give you praise and glory, Lord. We give you praise and glory, Lord.
accept our thanks in Jesus' name. As we know your hearts, hear your voice, let your power manifest in our lives in the name of Jesus as we follow you all the days of our lives. We pray for everyone surrounding to you here and online. We ask that you open their eyes, spiritual eyes, heal their physical bodies, help them to follow you. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord Jesus. For his goodness and his kindness and his mercies.